Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, John chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free. Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Over the past couple of months, while we've been social distancing, my brother and sister-in-law have been trying to find fun little activities for my niece and my nephew to do. They've found all lots of different things on the internet that they can try. But one fun little thing they've been doing recently is they, they found an ad on the internet to order caterpillars that they could get in the mail and they could watch those caterpillars grow from a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly. They sent away for them several weeks ago, and sure enough, the caterpillars came in a little tiny jar. And the step, first step was to put some food in there and watch the caterpillars eat and get nourished. And so my little niece did that, and she loved watching them eat the leaves. And then a few days later, the caterpillars climbed up the side of the cup and attached themselves to the top of the cup, and slowly a cocoon formed around them. Then the next step was to take the top of the cup with the cocoons and, and put it in this, this mesh, this, this screened-in box that came with the kit. And it was there in that, that screened-in box where the cocoons slowly shook and slowly opened up and, and the butterflies hatched out. And they pumped up their wings so that their wings got bigger and you could see from this cocoon this beautiful butterfly grew. It was wonderful, magical for my little niece to watch these steps, the steps from a caterpillar to cocoon to a butterfly. But as it turned out, the last step was the most difficult step of all, setting the butterfly free. She thought the butterflies were so beautiful, she wanted to keep them forever. But my sister-in-law finally told her, you know, if we keep them in the box forever, they might die. And so one by one, my niece took the little butterflies and took them outside and watched as they flew away, set them free. And then this lesson that was originally a lesson about nature became a lesson about freedom. 
Freedom is what we celebrate during this time of year. Every year when we celebrate the anniversary of our Independence Day, we celebrate freedom in this country. Freedom may be the most important, the most dear value that we hold here in the United States. We love our freedom and we are so grateful for our freedom. We have the freedom to live and to work and to worship and to try to go for our dreams every single day. And the truth is there are places in this world where they don't have that freedom and so we have a lot to be grateful for. We sometimes think of freedom as just the ability to do what I want to do. As long as I don't tread on you and you don't tread on me, I can do what I want. That's kind of what we think of sometimes as freedom. But believe it or not, the Bible talks about freedom as well. In fact, freedom is a virtue of our Christian faith. But as you might imagine, freedom is defined in a little different way than it's defined in our culture and in our world. Jesus is talking about freedom, in fact, in in our passage from the Gospel of John this morning. He tells this group of Jews that he's teaching that if they will follow him and be his disciples, they will learn the truth, and the truth will set them free. Now these Jews, they were, were followers of Jesus, as I said. They were descendants of Abraham, and they had no idea they weren't already free. As they told Jesus, we've never been in slavery. We're descendants of Abraham. We have all the birthright that we need. We've never been slaves at all. We don't need freedom. We've already got it. But Jesus tells them, "Ah, you still need to learn the truth. The truth about who you are and the truth about who God is. And once you learn that truth, once you learn the truth of a disciple, then you will truly be set free. Now, I have to say, we can't blame these Jews from Jesus' time. After all, it's hard to know the truth from time to time. I've found it pretty hard to, to discover the truth recently and all the just uncertainty that we've been living in in this world. As we've been trying to make decisions about reopening our building, as we've trying to make decisions about our own health, it's been tough to discover what is really true. What's right and what's wrong? What do we need to base our lives on and what do we need to just push away? And sometimes the truth seems to vary depending on which source you go to. The truth seems to be a a matter of opinion. And how nice it would be if we could all just agree upon the truth so that we knew what decisions to make. We knew when we could come back. We knew what we needed to do to keep ourselves safe and other people safe. Now, as you know, the truth asking questions about the truth is a helpful thing that's the way we learn that's the way we grow that's the way we develop that's the way our our nation and and our world really came to be we started to ask questions about the truth but from time to time it would just be great if we all agreed upon what was truly true but our nation has always been that way We've always asked questions and argued about the truth. We've always had different opinions from 1776 all the way up until today. In fact, in the first hundred years or so of our country's history, there was one bit of truth that we argued about more than anything else. We argued about the truth of slavery and the truth of equality. We argued about it in our world, and we argued about it in our churches here as well. Ministers like me would stand up in pulpits, and we would hold up Bibles, and we would say, the truth is that slavery is a good thing, a healthy thing, an important thing. The Bible talks about slavery. It provides for slavery, and we need to get used to slavery. But there were other ministers all throughout the country who held up that same Bible and said, no, the truth is God wants us to be free. God wants us to love each other and care for each other and treat each other as equals, treat each other as neighbors. And God wants us to serve only one master. And that master is Jesus Christ himself. 
We argued about that truth again and again to the point, as you know, we finally went to war. But it was in the midst of that war, the Civil War, where our hymn, our song came from. It was then that it was written. The tune had been written many, many years earlier. It was sung at Christian camps all around the country as, at, when Christians would gather together and sing and praise God. They sang this little tune. It was a Christian song that went something along the lines of, Say, brother, will you meet me? Say, brother, will you meet me? Say, brother, will you meet me on Canaan's happy shore? It was a song of, of salvation, a song of liberation. Even some slaves would sing that song from time to time. And that tune came written on people's hearts. And even some of those soldiers, Union soldiers and Confederate soldiers, would take that tune with them off to war and, and hum that tune and sing it. There were even some, some Union soldiers up in Boston who used that tune but put some new words to it, inspired by an abolitionist named John Brown. And they took the words and, 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 and wrote new words to it. And those words were sung all throughout the Union Army, all throughout the, the North. But as soldiers do sometimes, some of those words were a little bit crass, not really fit for children's ears. And so even though it became a, a, a song that really inspired the Union soldiers, it was one that was tough to teach to long, little children. One day, a group, a battalion was marching through the capital, Washington, D.C., and there was another abolitionist there. Her name was Julia Ward Howe, and she saw this battalion marching through, singing that song about John Brown, and as she heard those words, she remembered that tune. It was a, a precious tune to her, too, but she realized those words weren't quite right. She wanted to write a new song with new words, words that children could sing, words about the truth of our freedom. Words that were inspired not by an abolitionist, but by our Bible, by the glory of God. She went to bed that night and woke up in the middle of the night and, and new words came to her, just like a lightning bolt. She wrote them down, inspired by the Old Testament, inspired by the New Testament, inspired by the saving love of Jesus Christ. And it was in those words, the words that she heard from the Bible, that she knew the truth about God's amazing love, the truth about our freedom. And so this morning as we gather, I ask you, as we celebrate our freedom this weekend, what do we claim to be true? What do we claim to be true as disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, as a Presbyterian minister, I can tell you what I claim to be true. I believe it's true that God so loved the world. I believe it's true that God so loved the world and there was nothing that could separate us from God's love. I believe God so loved the world and God loved every person in it, no matter what they looked like or where they came from or no matter even what religion they ascribed to. God so loved the world and there was nothing that could separate us from that love. But I also believe from time to time people forgot about that promise, forgot that they were already loved, and so they decided that they had to prove to each other that they were lovable, that they were worthy of love. They started to prove it in all these strange ways. We proved it by trying to have the most money, or we tried to prove it by having the most power, or we tried to prove it by just being a little bit better than our neighbor. And in those moments when we realized we couldn't prove it, we said, well, at least I can prove that my neighbor's no better than me. And so we started to push our neighbors down to build ourselves up. It was in the midst of all this forgetfulness that God proved God's love to us again. 
through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God proved once and for all that we were loved. We couldn't earn our love. We couldn't earn our salvation. It was given to us freely. And all we had to do was say thank you. And in that moment, God set us free from all of those other proofs that we were trying to make. Set us free from all of those other proofs that we had become slaves to. Set us free to love, to care for others, not just to care about ourselves. When God did that, when God proved that love to us, in those moments we no longer had to prove to our neighbor that God loved us. Instead, we were called to prove to our neighbor that God loved them. And that's essentially the difference between the freedom that we learn about in the world and the freedom that we learn about in the Bible. The freedom that we learn about in the Bible tells us that we are free for other people, free to choose others over ourselves, free to choose compassion over hatred, free to choose love and kindness over competition and deceitfulness, free to choose our neighbors and show to them that God loves them. And it's amazing what happens when we practice that freedom. You can see that freedom. You see it in compassion. You see it in kindness. You see it in gentleness. You see it in love. You can even see it in the darkest of places. There was an a Austrian psychologist named Viktor Frankl who tells a wonderful story about where he saw this kind of freedom right in the midst of a concentration camp. He himself was a prisoner, and all around him was really the exact opposite of freedom. Walls and, and barbed wire and guards everywhere, keeping him down and, and not letting him do anything that he wanted to do. They were all staring there, standing there in despair and fear, just waiting for their own death. All around him, people were praying to God, asking for help. Some praying to God, wondering when it was going to be over. Filled with despair filled with a sense of urgency and a sense of pain. Viktor Frankl noticed there were some other people there within the concentration camp who were just a little bit different. There weren't many, but a few of the prisoners were walking around to others who were fearful, others who were despairing, giving them comfort, trying to help them. When someone would come in and they were hungry, these few men would, would offer a bit of bread, offer a crust of, a crust of bread for them, just to, to fill their stomachs, caring for other people in the midst of this dark and dreary world. And even though it was just a few, it was enough. Enough to prove to Viktor Frankl that there's one freedom above all other freedoms that can never be taken away one freedom above all others the freedom to choose ourselves or to choose others to choose kindness and mercy over hatred and evil even there in the midst of that concentration camp victor frankel witnessed freedom that's the kind of freedom that jesus christ calls us to live, to calls us into being, calls us to be free for others and not just free for ourselves. And we only learn about that freedom when we grow closer to the truth in Jesus Christ, when we grow closer to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, striving every day to live as Jesus called us to live, 
not as we want to live on our own. Because see, the only true freedom is not serving ourselves or serving any of those other interests. The only true freedom is serving God alone. That's the truth that we need to learn this year and every single year when we celebrate our independence, when we celebrate our freedom, to remember that truth, that truth that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this year I hope you'll celebrate that freedom and that truth too. And know that even in the midst of this uncertain world, that truth will not forsake us. Even in the midst of these difficult times, that truth is marching on. Thanks be to God. Amen.